You know, as we kind of kick off this whole um, fall program, uh, we're in this series. And um, we're just kicking off this series. It's um, stories that make a difference. And today, we're talking about stories that matter. And we're going to be talking, talking through parables of Jesus Christ. And now, parables are an interesting device, literary device. They're short, simple stories with eternal powerful meanings they're just incredible now, obviously the ones that we know the best are, are those told by Jesus in the New Testament and the Gospels and there are some powerful stories Jesus used uh, parables to teach very powerful um, lessons to his disciples and and those who would gather around to hear him to experience him and, and also to challenge his disciples, but also challenged those who would be his detractors, the, the religious leaders of his day. He, he faced them off, and he faced them with parables. Because just as these children did in children's moment, had to make a decision, one side or the other, tacos or pizza, summer or winter, pool or the ocean, a parable forces the audience, the hearer, the reader, to make a decision, to align themselves on one side or the other. And that's what is so powerful. But, and as, we, as, as these parables unfold, they bring out all kinds of reactions and responses. You know, there's all kinds of parables. There are, there are parables, uh, obviously, in the New Testament and in the, in the Synoptic Gospels are filled with parables and by Jesus. The Old Testament has parables. We read one of those this morning. Kristen read that about uh, the prophet Nathan uh, teaching King David a valuable lesson. And in that parable, as David heard the story of the wealthy man with many, with many livestock, he had plenty of sheep and plenty of goats. But when he wanted to be hospitable to a guest, he sold the young ewe, the only ewe of a poor man. And that's what he used to be hospitable. And David was incensed. How could this wealthy man, this man of power, this man of position, a man of status, a man with so much, be so low? To steal a poor man's only you. And offer that as hospitality to a guest. Oh, he was incensed. He, he thought the man should be killed. He thought the man should have to pay fourfold what he had taken. And that's when Nathan spins the parable and says, That man is you, King David. And that's what parables do. Parables force us to make a decision on one side or the other, and then we find ourselves at the turning point. And where do we, where do we land? In chapter 15 of Luke, we have three, three parables. The parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. All three of these parables are addressed to a gathering crowd, an audience that is coming in to hear Jesus. They want to experience this man, this rabbi, this healer, this man who speaks with authority. They, they, want, to, they want to see him. They want to hear him. 
What does he have to say to me? What, what, what am I going to hear? And we're told that sinners and tax collectors are gathering around. They're, they're pressing in because they want to hear, they want to understand, they want to learn. They want to be, they want to be challenged. They want to be healed. They want some word of hope. But we're also told in that, in that gathering crowd are religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. They're there. They're listening. They want to hear too. They want to hear this young rabbi, this man who speaks with authority. They want to know what he has to say. And they're looking around. And they're seeing all these sinners in tax. And they begin to grumble to themselves. Why does this man welcome sinners? and tax collectors, these, these unclean people, these people that are so low on, a, on, on the status. They, they, these are the lowest of the low. Why in the world would he welcome them? And Jesus, sensing and hearing the grumbling, offers these three incredible parables. The one that we are very familiar with is the parable of the prodigal son. We're going to read that this morning. We're going to read the first portion of this parable, verses 11 through 24 in chapter 15. This is, this is, this is a, the portion right as we get to the, to, the, to the turning point. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the, that country. And he began to be in need so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up. And go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And so he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Well, this is such a familiar parable. But I want to kind of break it down. You know, there's ways to interpret parables. 
there's two basic classic ways to interpret the parable. One is we go to the original context of the parable, to go to, to Jesus and say, what was Jesus teaching that audience when he offered this simple little story with an eternal message? What's the basic point he wants to get across to this gathering crowd that is pressing in on him? Remember who is in that crowd. Sinners, tax collectors, unclean people, the lowly. But also, there's the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders. They're in that crowd. So what is his point to the crowd when he begins to unfold this story and he begins to tell about this son who goes away after asking his father for his share of his inheritance give me what's mine and let me go on my way and live my life as I would like to live it in my own way where I want to live it now some some scholars and some commentators have talked about when, when, when the younger son asks his father for his inheritance, what he's basically saying is, Father, I wish you were dead so I could have my share. That may be true. But other commentators say, no, that it, wasn't, it wasn't common, but it happened on occasion when, when sons would ask for their inheritance and the father would divvy it up. And he would give the son who asked his share, he'd give the other son or sons their share, and then they could do with it as they wish. It wasn't all that common, but it would happen. So what is Jesus saying to those who are gathering? That's one way to interpret. Another way to interpret the passage in this parable is to look at what the gospel writer wants the church to know in the first century. So as a gospel writer of Luke, so when Luke puts this parable, Jesus uh, telling this story to this gathering crowd, what does Luke want the church to know about life as a church, about God, about Jesus, about the world, about making a decision, about faith? What are we to understand? And so what is, what is the point for the gospel writer? And so we kind of we begin to make sense of for, for the gospel writer of Luke, the, the lowly, the, the outsider, that's important. God is reaching out to the poor. He's reaching out to the needy, to the homeless. He's reaching out to the stranger. He's reaching out to the unclean, to the sinner, to the tax collectors. Those that the first century would have seen as unworthy. Another way to look at it, another way to interpret the parable is how do we interpret it today? In 2023 in Mobile, Alabama, at 15 Wisteria Avenue, what do we do with it? How does it speak to us? What does, what does Jesus want us to know about living now, here, in our time, in our place? So what does it say to you? Where do you see the unwanted? Where do we see the unclean, the sinner, the hopeless, the helpless? Where do we see the foreigner and the stranger, the hungry? How does that speak to us? 
How do we see and understand the fool of today? Because that's exactly who Jesus is telling the Father is reaching out to. You see, in that day, as as the, as the son took all of his belongings after his father was gracious enough to say, here's your share. Go do with it as you wish. Because basically, the father is the patriarch of the household. How many, how many here have the... You know, when I was growing up, I, I grew up with the rule and the understanding that when, as long as I was living under my parents' roof, it was their rules. When I moved out from under that roof, well, then you could do more of what you wanted to do. How many had that kind of rule growing up? Most of us. That's the rule this young son's living with. He's living in his father's household. He's living under his father's roof, and his father's rules is what, is what matters. And his son says, I don't want those rules anymore. I want to go somewhere else. I want to be out from under your roof. I want to do my own thing my own way with, my, what, with what's mine. So give it to me and let me go. That's exactly what he does. And we don't know exactly what all he did. We just know it was dissolute living. He was, he was wasteful. He was foolish. And he ended up impoverished and in need. And for a Jewish boy to find himself feeding pigs, he was about as low as he was going to get. And when he comes to his senses, he says, I, 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 I am in a bad way. And I have made some mistakes. I have sinned against my Father and against my God. And I'll go back and live in my Father's house. I'll live under His roof and with His rules. If, even if it means being a servant, I will be a slave to that man if He will just take me back and let me live under His roof. I'll, I'll take those rules. And He sets off knowing that he had messed up, knowing that he had sinned and wanted to make it right. And we're told that as he begins to approach his father's property, he's still afar off and, 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 and his father sees him. And we're told the father, he runs to greet his son who had taken, taken his inheritance, taken his father's household inheritance and just thrown it away and was coming back in rags and shoeless and hungry and unclean and smelling. He was in a bad way. And his dad runs and throws his arms around him, embraces him and kisses him on the cheek. Now this is important because a patriarch of a, of a wealthy family would not run. A man of status, a man of power, a man of authority, he, he would walk. He would walk with poise. It's unbecoming to run, to be rushed. But we're told he runs and throws his arms around him and kisses him and tells his, his, his household servants, to go and get the best robe we have and put it around him and get the sandals and put them on his feet and get a ring and put it on his finger signifying that he is ours. He is mine. And go get a fatted calf, slaughter it, and cook it. 
And let's have a feast. Let's celebrate because this son of mine who was lost has been found. This son of mine who was dead is now alive. And we need to celebrate. And we will celebrate. Now remember who's in that crowd. All these unclean sinners and tax collectors. And they're hearing how the father throws his arms around someone just as them. And kisses them on the cheek and gives them the best of the household, welcomes them in and throws a party for them. What a moment. What a, what a good word. What? Well, that's the gospel. This eternal meaning, this of import, is that God loves the sinner and welcomes us us as sinners into his household even as we have lived as fools and wanted to take what was mine and leave our father's house his roof his rules and live a life our own way and find ourselves at the bottom These sinners and tax collectors heard that good news. They could probably feel the Father's arms wrapped around them, a, a kiss on their cheek. They could feel the warmth of, a, of the robe, the protection of sandals, the symbol of the ring on their fingers. And they wanted to celebrate. But those religious leaders heard this too. And they weren't happy. How can, how can the Father welcome such fools? How can, how can the Father give away His stuff to His foolish Son who goes and spends it wastefully? Doing who knows what? With who knows who? And come back unclean. Hungry broken, a mess, a shadow of what you once were. And those Pharisees and those scribes are looking at that crowd and they were saying, yes, that's one of them and there's one of them and there's one of them. Who knows who that person has been with? Who knows what that person has done? And I know what that one has done. That tax collector, that sinner, so the parable begins to turn. As the, as the sinners and tax collectors feel the warmth of a father's embrace and the Pharisees and the scribes begin to feel anger at the father's embrace, Jesus continues the story. And he talks about the elder son. The elder son who received his share, but he stayed with his father. He stayed in his father's roof and continued to obey his father's rules. He was a good son. He was obedient. He stayed true. And when he began to hear the noise of the music, of the celebration, and began to smell the fatted cap, oh, y'all, there's going to be pork over here not long from now. Began to smell that smell and 
hear the noise of a celebration. He begins to ask, what is going on? What is happening in my father's house? And the servant tells him that your younger brother is home. He's arrived. How is that good news? Why, why are we having a celebration for that fool? That wasteful, unclean fool. That son of his. The servant of the household says, Oh, but you got to understand that young brother of yours, he was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he's alive. And we're celebrating. We have to celebrate. What side of the story are we on? Luke wants us to understand that we are all on the side of the younger brother. Whether we want to own it or not. We're all dead. We've all been lost. We've all made foolish decisions. We've all have sinned against God, against heaven. And if we're not on the side, if we don't align ourselves on the, with the younger son and see ourselves as broken and unclean and at the mercy of of God, then we will find ourselves with the older brother and the Pharisees and the scribes pointing our fingers at those who we compare to ourselves. That we are better than the broken. We are better than the unclean. We are better than the sinner. When we all know deep down when we compare ourselves to Christ we are all sinners we've all fallen short we all need a father who will embrace us as we come back who will give us a kiss on the cheek let us feel the warmth of his robe and the experience of his household on our fingers. So this sermon series, I invite us to listen to these parables, these short, simple stories anew. Listen to them afresh. Let us make decisions. Let us find ourselves at the turning points of these parables. And let us be honest with ourselves about who we are, who God is, who our neighbors are, and how we are to live in a world and a time and a place such as this. That's the challenge for the church. As I think about this parable and I look about, I think about interpreting from our perspective in 2023 in Mobile, I look at the servant. It was a servant's job to go and prepare the feast, to prepare the table, to set the table for the feast, to go and proclaim the good news to the older brother that the younger brother had been found, was no longer lost. The younger brother was alive and no longer dead. And to celebrate 
with the fatted calf. A banquet for a king. Maybe that's the role of the church today. To proclaim the good news. To celebrate when the lost are found. When the dead are alive. When the unclean are embraced and the sinner is kissed. And the cold are found warm in our Heavenly Father's robe. Let us celebrate that. Let us find ourselves aligned with the younger brother. Let us find ourselves celebrating with the servants of the household. Let us be the church and proclaim the good news that there's a compassionate Father offering mercy and forgiveness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.